Nothing changes instantaneously. In a gradually heating bathtub, you'd be boiled to death before you knew it. Our Father, who art in heaven. Seriously? What the actual fuck? Gilead doesn't care about children. Gilead cares about power. Why does healing have to be the only goal? Why can't we be as furious as we feel? For whatever man sows, so shall he reap. Welcome to Above the Garage. Hi, friends. Welcome to our analysis of Season 3, Episode 13, the season finale for Season 3. This episode is entitled Mayday. Let's do our round of introductions and then dive in. Hi, I'm Claudia. Hi, I'm Julia. Hi, I'm Scarlett. Hi, I'm Megan. Hi, I'm Ginger. And I'm Kate. So this episode is like, it opens so disorienting. Um, There's alarms going off, engines revving, dogs barking, the sound of a large vehicle breaking or releasing its brakes. And we are seeing June's face in flashes, which is just very like chaotic and stressful. Uh, She's looking through these meat refrigerator plastic slats and she sees disabled women specifically being shoved and hit and yelled at and herded into a truck that's likely going to take them to their deaths because this is very reminiscent of the Nazis. Mm. And then it's her turn and her group, uh, I guess, has been deemed healthier, uh, but they're still treated like cattle, actually worse, more violently and shoved into these cages. And and we actually see Brianna, pre-Gilead Brianna there. I like her hair. Mm -hmm. And June's like still thinking that like, people are good people and she's asking a guardian hoping he'll be nice you know it's been a misunderstanding they took my daughter can you please tell me where she is and he just looks at her and puts his finger on his mouth and then when they move her under the truck he keeps looking at her and I, I can't tell if he cares a little maybe but overall I felt like he he felt sad or just like it, it, yeah, it seemed like I... he did feel guilty that like he wanted to help her and knew that it was impossible I think that's why he did the shush like if you're like if you're just quiet it will go better for you you know yeah (laughs) yeah but like most of the men like how quickly that they like embraced their ability to abuse women is it's just awful to watch but it also reminds me a little of when Trump came into office and the racists and the misogynists just come out of the woodwork I mean I guess they've always been there but they come out of the shadows because they feel Mm -hmm. they feel comfortable to do so right but it's just like holy shit you were there all along feeling like that waiting for your chance Jesus Mm -hmm. what always shocks me about this scene and about that mentality is just how easy it is for other human beings to devalue and dehumanize another human being. In this case, these obviously they're being devalued just because they're women, you know, and that obviously stems from certain beliefs that I won't get into, but it's, it's shocking how all of that that has been brewing for ages and has been part of our society for many, many, many years and centuries, just, kind of results into that mentality that you can treat another human being like an an like even less than an animal. Like it doesn't value the same as you. It's fucking disgusting. Yeah. yeah. That's that's why it was hard. Like it was really hard to watch the disabled people like being mm-hmm. ushered into that. Like it just no and then again, like you said, knowing you can just look at somebody like based on a difference and say, oh well you're not worth living so bye you know and it's just it's just it's truly disturbing i had really a hard time looking at this because i was since 
since school, I was really heavily uh, looking at all things Holocaust and because it uh, basically hits a bit home for me. And I really watched a lot of that. And seeing this reminded me so much of a lot of things that happened there. But I mean, it was, of course, worse then even because they were stuffed in there like uh, until there was no space left and everything. But still, uh, treating people like this is just unfathomable and it's um, really hard to watch because, you know, it's hap it happened and it maybe happened still somewhere. And yeah, fucking horrifying. So mm -hmm. I'm always it's, terrified. It's just, yeah, humans are capable of that, as was pronounced yeah. by World War II and could happen again. When June's in the cages um i remember that when um lawrence took her there like a few years later I, I guess i wondered what she was thinking standing in front of those cages seeing all those oh, women yeah. again remembering probably what she was thinking when she was caged in this room yeah so mm -hmm. that made me really really uncomfortable again yeah and probably was also a reason why she had even more trouble to pick like five women because she tried she to wrong. yeah because she was in this position she tried to get help from this particular guardian and yeah. he was shutting mm -hmm. her down but she could actually save some but right it's interesting that just in the end of the episode too though it's, it's a little bit the opposite of the situation where the guardian's like asking her pleading with her for help and she comforts him and then she kills him She's, yeah, well, she became ruthless. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She became what she talked about. Yeah. Exactly. Well, she had to. Mm -hmm. She mm -hmm. has yeah. to. But I think what also makes the cage thing probably more difficult for her when she was with Lawrence, too, is that she remembers that fear. Like she was there. So she remembers that fear. And these women were just captured. So, like, they don't know yet everything she knows about Gilead, like the things you learn the longer you're there and the, what you're put through. Like, yeah, they probably heard stories, but. They haven't had to live it for themselves. So mm -hmm. just remembering that fear must have also made that situation so much worse for her because she knows that either they're all going to die or she has to pick five, but she's still a part of 95 women dying just because they're women. Right. And June's ruthlessness is warranted. There's, there's a reason to it. The men yes. chose to be that way. June had... I mean, this is survival. This is what she needs to do, you know, to survive. The men just did it to be ruthless, to dehumanize women. They just chose that for no reason. I mean, June has a reason for her ruthlessness. And she needs to be ruthless to fight back because right. you're never going to win against a place like Gilead by just exactly. being nice. And, you know, you have to be ruthless, but unfortunately it destroys you too. Right. Yeah, it takes, takes. A lot of your humanity away. I think the real the real conflict is how ruthless can you be and how much humanity can you keep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One thing I thought about during this scene when the cages is that you know Janine ends up coming in and she's cursing and she's being like fiery and fighting back. And we also saw that like in the Red Center flashbacks where she's mouthing off before her eye gets removed. And it's interesting to see like her personality was so feisty feisty very feisty thank you and we see like with Gilead she had like what we see her as a handmaid she ends up being calmer and just more like hopeful and 
I don't know. It, 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 it just, it's like it inherently changed who she was. It broke her. And it's interesting to see that, like, you know, how it basically broke her down. But then when she was basically built back up by June and the handmaids, she was built up in a different way, like yeah, sweeter, I guess, or just more like, I don't know, looking at the bright side and just that Janine that we know. And we see kind of the opposite from June where she was meek and then ends up being built to be ruthless and make choices that have changed her in ways that people struggle with yeah so her voiceover then is it starts in the truck as they're being transported ruthless i remember thinking they're fucking ruthless where does it come from this talent for ruthlessness it seems easy for them for these men for men like these that's how they want i suppose it isn't about being right or having people or god on your side it isn't anything that grandiose. In the end, victory goes to the hardest heart. To the ruthless go the spoils. 52 kids will be brought to the Lawrence house after sunset. We still move in darkness. We can hide in the dark at least. We have a chance at least. If there's actually a Martha Network, if this wasn't all a trap laid by the eyes, I will get the children to the airport. The plane leaves at midnight because I am ruthless. So mm-hmm. while that voiceover was going on, various handmaids are subtly dropping soap into her bag until she gets to Janine, who makes a big, adorable deal out of it and says, yay, in the <laughs> cutest way. I love that. And June can't help but laugh. Me too. But it's not smart. However, no one notices but Lydia. And she kind of lets it go without looking in her bag, strangely. She just wants to look at June and somehow by doing that, learn if she's acquired too many bad habits at the Lawrence's. And she asks if she realizes that the other girls look up to her and says that popularity is not a contest, it's a responsibility. You wouldn't do anything that would put them in danger, right? And June promises to keep her subversive nonsense to a minimum. Mm. Uh, Lydia (laughs) tells her to watch herself and June says, you got it. So she doesn't even like (laughs) have to say the blessed day shit anymore to Lydia even. Like she really, she really is the boss. Yeah, (laughs) Right. They, I I love their banter there i mean it was like yeah honestly like as if they weren't in gilead how they would be talking like you know what i mean right. they didn't uh-huh. it was just like hey i know you i mean lydia's obviously <laughs> bonded now you know and, and yeah. knows them more now through the years yeah i found it funny that the guardian that um accompanied june was like so oblivious and she stood by the window like window shopping and there was yeah. probably nothing in there to see basically because all of those old shops were closed uh, as we could see back when she walked there with Emily. I think it was and... a shop for a wife probably, right? There was yeah. a, like mm-hmm. a puppet and a wife's clothes. And... Ah, that's good. Yeah, maybe Maybe, that. maybe some, some place where they get their furniture or accessories for, for their homes. Or... Uh-huh. Yeah, she, she was just staring into it and she was like, okay, I will stay there and look at the shop as well. And it was <laughs> I thought yeah. it was interesting though that Lydia noticed the bruise on June's face but didn't ask about it. Like, wouldn't you think she would? I don't be know. Wondering I don't think she on? wants to know, to be honest. Yeah. You know, I think she might be like, okay, I don't want to put two and two together here. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Maybe she thought that that Lawrence was finally yeah. acting more like the other commanders. <laughs> yeah. True. <laughs> it's very common for her to have a bruise because. I mean, Lydia and herself has be. beaten them. Yeah, so they I, can be beat. So I, yeah, it's not uncommon for handmaids to have bruises in their faces or wherever. But she also mentioned um, June's next commander. It did. Do you guys think she said that because since Lawrence's wife died, he probably yeah. isn't going to be yeah. having a hand anymore? Right. He'll get a wife. Yeah, this and she was threatening that like a couple episodes ago, and it just disappeared yeah. too. She wanted so to. She, 
exactly. She said she was going to move her from that house. But then they had the ceremony and like it, it seemed like the house was getting back to what it should be. Oh, so yeah. that's why I wasn't sure if because Eleanor died, if that changes things like because really would it would a commander still have a handmaid if he has no wife? No, no. I don't no, I wouldn't think so, so because isn't the idea that it's almost like her having sex with him, like the wife? Like, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Like, I don't think it, you can do Yeah, you cannot do a ceremony without a wife, I think. You need yeah. a wife in order to have a baby because you cannot have a baby without a wife and a commander because that's right. the right way, the traditional right. way. Right. That's the real family. So mm-hmm. I'm being sarcastic. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We know, Scarlett. We know. Um, <laughs> I was not getting the soap thing for a while because mm-hmm. I always wondered why. What first was what do they put in her shopping basket? And then when I realized it was soap, I was wondering what do they actually do with the soap? And it really took me so long till I realized <laughs> what they were using it for. Oh. But, I thought they're yeah. gonna make a bomb, yeah, <laughs> like because like you can that. do that with like lye and and all that. No, sorry. Um, and yep. I was like, oh, okay, I was wrong. <laughs> I thought oh, yeah. the same thing when I first watched it, and I don't, I don't think I came out of it knowing what they had done. And then the second time, you see them making the windows mm-hmm. clear, yeah. but I don't, I'm unclear on how that would help because I feel like I would just be more, hey, there's something going on here. You can't see through any other windows. <laughs> but it's cool to watch. It's a very cool scene yeah. to watch. And, gre- and greasing the gate made a lot of sense too. Mm-hmm. So. Their yeah. master mm-hmm. has not cleaned for ages. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Typical Lawrence household. Yep. No. Oh yeah, one, one other thing I was just um, trying to mention is June still doesn't have a new walking partner, right? No. Yeah. I wonder why. I know. Right? Nobody <laughs> wants to be her partner. They don't no. fare well. <laughs> Maybe they're finally learning. Everyone. That's a funny note, though. Um, yeah. So when she gets to Lawrence's, she dumps a ton of soap on the table, and it's she's being a little condescending, a lot condescending to Sienna, who clearly wants to help, but. I, I was like, wait, does she not know about the whole scheme? Because she was like, where did all the soap come from? And, and she lied and said, oh, we, I had, what was it? It was on sale. It was on sale. So she's being a little unnecessarily unkind to Sienna, in my opinion. And Sienna says Beth is barfing, but she's not sick. The nerves are getting to her. And Sienna and June have this brief back and forth with June treating Sienna like a child. So when Lawrence comes in and asks Sienna to unwrinkle his suit jacket. She tells him she can't. She's helping off Joseph. I don't know why she called, didn't call her June. It was a weird moment to call her off Joseph. But obviously June has fully taken over the house and Lawrence is on board. And Sienna leaves the room to do June's bidding. And Lawrence says, she's a bit prickly, don't you think? And June <laughs> says, nope, you've just forgotten what a strong woman looks like. <laughs> and then they discuss Beth's nerves and he defends her saying, I imagine she's scared of dying. Something that doesn't seem to affect you. And June answers, I'm a woman of faith. So Lawrence tells her he's arranged a meeting to draw security out of the neighborhood. And it's like kind of cute because it seems like he's trying to contribute and impress her maybe. And June's entirely dismissive of him. (laughs) He's just like letting it happen. Like, okay. Right. But I think he's totally taken aback by them completely ignoring him at this point. It's like he's uh, just living there with them and, and doing his job when they tell him to do something and they all lead uh, of course June leads the house and he's looking like he's what the fuck is happening <laughs> I think he likes that I think he's intrigued uh, by yeah. it he always likes things that 
you know, keep them on toes that that is intriguing. So he's like studying them. You know? Yeah, that, that's true. But on the other hmm. hand, it's like it's the first time that he really has no power anymore in that right. house. And he's he's not I think he's not really sure if he likes it, but he's fascinated yeah. by it. Yeah, it almost seemed like he was hesitant or slightly scared of what would happen if he went against them. Yeah. Later on, we get another scene where I was like, he's totally torn about any everything but but it looks even like he's a bit afraid of June telling her stuff that she doesn't want to hear so mm-hmm. he doesn't like to be bored right water hey. yeah. yeah this is all very like this is entertaining to him his wife's gone he has less to lose and even though I, I obviously I'm pretty sure he kind of enjoys having his privileges I don't think he really feels threatened by strong women no. like I don't no. think it's something that affects him like Fred like the times that I've seen him you know yelling it's kind of like a bluff like trying to scare them because he's a man yeah but it doesn't really work like okay like he's not gonna just like we were talking about Cora like in the past episode like I'm sure he didn't send her to be killed he doesn't seem like like that so I think that all that misogynistic bluff that he has going on is just that a bluff yeah I think it's like he's fine with women being in power if it doesn't necessarily affect him well he was scared (laughs) right I was thinking about Sienna again because you said, uh, didn't she have a clue about anything? And I was like, I think June kept her a bit out of the loop. She was planning stuff with uh, Beth, but I think they always dismissed Sienna a bit uh, and sent her out when they were talking. Well, Sienna was was always very afraid of, of Lawrence yes. even. He, she was shaking <laughs> when yeah. she came to that household. And she wasn't with them from the start. I mean, Beth and June had uh, were there when Cora was still there. So Sienna came in later a bit and she was like this new, fresh woman. I think they didn't trust her to be that strong. But yeah, Sienna? then she came through and then June put her to work. Sienna looked younger too. I don't know if yeah. that had anything yeah. to do with it. She looked young. Really young, yeah. I mean, she was a student, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, med med school or something. Mm-hmm. X rays. Yeah, and I think she must have noticed stuff because she wasn't worried about people coming and everything. So, and I think they don't really tell her in the meantime everything. I but... just got the sense that she didn't really want to be a part of it. Like she was fine with them doing their thing, but like she didn't want to risk herself. Yeah, that's and break the rules. A big part of it, yeah. But I also wonder like how long she's been a Martha because obviously June and Beth have seen a lot and endured mm-hmm. a lot. And I don't know if Sienna, is she kind of new to Gilead, which makes her more afraid or I don't know. So they're filling waters, tearing sheets, packing backpacks. June puts a lamp in the window with a red cloth over it as a symbol. And then she sees movement in the woods and it's a Martha and a little girl in pink way too early. Once they take her inside, the Martha asks, is this it? Mayday? And Beth and Sienna look to June and June steps forward and says, yes, I like that moment. Mm-hmm. I love the rationing stuff. I, I found it really sweet that they made food rations for the kids to keep them in good spirits while they were fleeing the, their, basically their homes and everything. And those kids were in remarkably good spirits. Yes. 
it was amazing. I mean, I'm also amazed at how like quiet and obedient they were. Well, yeah, I'm not. They're raised in a police state. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I get it. I guess after watching it after I've seen my own kids act like wild animals, I'm like, right. oh, this is impressive <laughs> to me. Not that I, not that Ooh. I want to use those parenting methods or anything, right. but no. <laughs> Yeah. Just send them um, to Gilead, Ginger. Yes. Send them to Gilead <laughs> training school. Yeah. I think I'll pass on that. <laughs> I wondered though about the backpacks. Where where were all those coming from? There were so many backpacks. And I was I like, what the fuck did they raise? <laughs> uh, Lawrence pulled all his, well, maybe Beth pulled out her master strings. Yeah. String. Most likely. I love that when the Martha asks, is this May Day? Like June steps forward and she's like flanked behind her by what looks like her soldiers, mm-hmm. which I just thought was cool. And it also kind of reminded me of like Nick being a leader, like leading the troops in Chicago and having like the troops behind him. So I just thought that was a cool visual. Then we're with Tuello and Serena and there are a bunch of meetings she needs to attend. She seems very happy and he seems very admiring. He feels bad. She has to do all these meetings. Ugh. And she he he's like apologizing to her and she says i didn't give up my rights i traded them for art for my daughter and he's being so accommodating to her like oh too many meetings oh let me see what i can do and he gives her a gay badge starting next week she has permission to leave the facility because she's been so cooperative she gets privileges uh he tells her to start thinking about where she might want to live out in the world without an escort she says happily so she basically traded fred and she was just gonna walk out of like free no problem and like mm-hmm. what visitation rates with Holly? Like, was she gonna sue for custody? Like, what the fuck was she expecting to do? Like in Canada? Like, I yeah yeah get Holly. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, wait a minute. So I know she treated Fred no problem whatsoever. Okay, good for you. But like, she was really gonna like just walk out of the facility in her fancy prison and just be fucking free. Like I realized that yesterday. Yes, one hundred percent free to go after and get Holly. But that's what frustrates me. Like she's getting this royal treatment. Like Serena is creator, you know, one of the creators of Gilead. Yet all she gets to do is trade in Fred. And now she gets to be free and be in fancy prison, but gets to leave and then gets to just what? Get custody of a baby that's not hers that she stole and just get off without any punishment while everybody else is paying the price. It's just it's so frustrating. Oh, it's it's just crazy. It's crazy that 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 is even a possibility. She's a kidnapper. And they're like, oh, well, just, you know, bring us Fred and let's start your kidnapping campaign and let's hope you get her. I mean, they're honestly helping her kidnap a child at this point. I don't think they uh, promised to get her back. I think they promised her to have regular visits, Mm -hmm. like one hour a day or something like that, or so many hours the week I don't know but she would have seen her regularly probably for the rest of her life yeah oh, she doesn't deserve that no no no, no not at all. but it wasn't them promising her that she will get her as a daughter back but no I but guess- if she's going free like you would think that they would build up to like yeah you're visiting now but maybe eventually you could apply for custody it's not her kid well, by Gilead law, technically it, it is. is. And this yeah. is the problem. Gilead is still a country and Gilead still has laws. So yeah. Canada kind of, that's the problem with the war and respecting the, the laws of another country, yada, yada, yada. It's like complicated. But it's the fact that we were talking about earlier 
they think that she's a victim, kind of like Tuelo says in Gilead, she had no power. She was, you know, a victim of the state. And that's what he thinks. And that's why she's free. And that's why she made that agreement. Because as a woman, she's a victim. Right. And because because Gilead has their own laws, that's why Fred and Serena were able to make the push to bring Holly back this season because they are tech legally her parents. But uh, the Swiss was talking to June like when the parents that the biological parents don't want her to go back she might have some pull right she still had to make a deal you know so it's not I understand that the most important thing it's that they are their biological parents but there's still all that bureaucracy that's the problem it's fucked yeah I don't think Serena would have ever turned in Fred if it didn't bring her Nicole what would be the right point? Mm-hmm. yeah exactly. shall we move on mm-hmm. yeah so then June's cleaning Kiki's foot, something that uh, Zane also talked about in our interview with him, which is awesome. And you should listen. He's awesome. Um, and he said that she was a great sport at tearing up her feet. We learned that Kiki has walked from Lexington, Massachusetts, which is about a four hour walk to Boston, obviously, depending on where it is. But notably, Lexington, Massachusetts is the location of the first battle of the Revolutionary War. So I assume that they chose that purposefully. And it is the battle where the term one by land, two if by sea comes in. So they're like communicating via a lantern in the window. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I think that that was probably pretty purposeful on their part. And Kiki asks when she finishes, if she knows what it's like out. And June says it's like it was before. And Kiki tells her she doesn't remember the before. She's 10 years old, and it's just really sad that we've gotten to the point where a 10-year-old doesn't remember pre-Gilead. June explains, you'll be free, you can wear whatever you want, no one's going to hurt you for reading, or tell you what to think, or who to love, or what to believe in. And you know, you don't have to be a wife, or a mother if you don't want to. And then Kiki sadly responds, then what would I be? You, June simply replies. And Kiki asks another sad question, will God still love me then? And says yes, but you can tell that this conversation has really affected her because it's really sad. And that it's breaks my heart when she says, "Well, will God still love me?" Because it's like you know they're in this country that's supposedly ruled based on the Bible and what God wants, and the main theme of the Bible and God and His love is that He loves you even if you're a sinner. So it just breaks my heart that they're teaching these children that if you don't follow these specific milestones god will not love you like his love is conditional which it's not if you don't follow their interpretation of what you what they think you should do then god's not going to love you that's how they use that's how they instill fear and that's how they manipulate and it's what was sad for me was that for kiki if she was not a wife or a mother she wasn't going to have a purpose because in those societies that's the only purpose we as women have to be a mother and a wife That's the only value she has, that she thinks she has. The whole thing made me so sad that she said she doesn't remember before, because, I mean, we know that Hannah is about her age. Hannah probably doesn't remember before, right? Mm. And it made me so sad for June in that moment, but she didn't seem to really think about that in the moment, but it hits her later, right? When she talks to Lauren. She she really sees... Uh, Hannah and Kiki yeah I think about what June says to her like especially the sentence um no one tells you who to who to love yeah what was on her mind in that moment by, by did she 
immediately say something like this? What do you think? I mean, I immediately thought of Nick, but then I also thought of Emily. Yeah. Because yeah. obviously June is not allowed to love Nick, you know, right. and they were punished for that in many ways. Then I also think of Emily being punished for loving a Martha and having a yeah. part of her body removed. She brought up Emily later too. So she's mm -hmm. definitely and Emily's on as well. Yeah. I think she probably thought of all of the uh, things that she experienced because uh, Eden as well. Eden wasn't allowed True. to love who right. she wanted to love. And um, Moira wasn't allowed. And everybody who basically was uh, deemed gay and not fertile was killed off. So, I mean, probably even her marriage with Luke. Yeah, which was exactly which was like like marriage Boy, love mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. so but she was not allowed to be with him anymore because it was his second marriage yeah yeah that's just frustrating <laughs> we see so much you know and we mentioned it before but you see so many people saying like this is not a love story romance has nothing to do with the story you're you're watching the wrong part and it's just like no 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 we're watching all of it but if you if you are you hear June say like repeatedly, it's so important to be able to love who you want to love mm -hmm. romantically, you know. And she says it all the time. So dismissing it just drives me nuts. I, I feel or like a lot of times people think it makes you weak, and that's just such a backwards way of thinking. Yeah, I don't I don't know where that comes from because I feel like love makes you stronger. It's the lack yeah. of love, like June says, that you will die from. So. I have no idea why people think that it obviously it's not a love story, but it it, it is a component to the story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then June gives Kiki bread and Kiki grabs her hands and prays for a food in a world where many walk in hunger, for faith in a world where many walk in fear, for family in a world where many walk alone. We give you thanks, oh Lord. And I thought that was a lovely prayer. I thought that was very nice. I, so the faith line reminded me of earlier when June said that she was a woman of faith, not fear. Yeah. Yeah, I thought the notes that this girl was probably ra raised by her mother, right? And her mother loved her very much and she gave her the right values, of, apparently. She's thinking of the other people and not only her family. Kinda, but, yeah, she kind of annoys me though, her Martha. Her Martha made a, a, a lot yeah, of bad sure. decisions. Sure, <laughs> she did. But she loved the girl and she raised her right, I think, in a good way, not in a strictly Gilead way. That's probably the reason why the girl followed the plan and wanted to get out and not stay with her Gilead family and stuff like that. Yeah, I like that she stuck with the plan when Maggie loses her shit. Yeah. She's not cute. She's <laughs> freaking out. She wants to leave. She says it's taking too long and she and Kiki are going. Her mistress is fair and forgiving. And I love, like, Beth sounds so much like Alma here to me when she says, you drugged her and stole her kid. She'll call the eyes an idiot 100%. <laughs> um oh yeah and then june just leaves the room june leaves the room you know in a kind of a strange time and then we see why she goes upstairs and gets the gun lawrence gave her under her mattress and comes downstairs and aims it at kiki's martha very calmly telling her if she tries to run she will shoot her she swears to god she will and june grabs kiki but as she does maggie runs for it god damn it maggie you're gonna fuck it all up i was very scared when she ran for it I would. I was totally on board with June shooting her to preserve. But if she had, she would have shot her. It would have been loud. So it's for the best then, I guess. She gets away, and then Kiki runs out after them, and June pivots, and then the gun is is in Kiki's face now. And obviously that part was unnecessary, but she holds it there for a good like ten seconds before Beth runs out and grabs Kiki, covering her eyes and spinning her around while she curses June. 
that was too much. And June knows it. And she like sinks to her knees shakily. Blinking back tears. I, I wondered uh, because when they tell her when the plane is coming, she's like, that's too late. And I was like, didn't she know the plan? Didn't June tell the people coming when they will leave? Or I don't know. I'm sure, because... this, I'm sure this went kind of like, you know, like mm -hmm. by people, by people. And maybe like, right. like with the soaps, some girls weren't able to drop the soaps. So I'm pretty sure like if you go with a message from one person to the next, it kind of yeah. doesn't get all the way through. Okay. So yeah. may maybe, you know, the only time they had to leave Lexington was at a certain time and they couldn't leave earlier. Well, I also imagine that obviously there was more kids than was it was planned on. So people probably said, hey, like to their friend, hey, there's these people are getting kids out. Like, just yeah. go. Okay. Yeah. So I assume she probably wasn't on the, the list. No, I don't think no, she was. Yeah, I think they were make, trying to get kids out from their districts. Right. Just from Boston. Yeah. It makes me wonder, like, like they said, you know, the kids, they didn't remember the time before. Like, how were all these kids? I mean, obviously it wasn't their decision, but how did they make these kids willing to leave? Like, so Gilead yeah. really, I mean, we know Gilead is fucked up, but mm -hmm. this, these kids don't really know. I mean, I'm pretty sure they remember, like the kids like Hannah had to remember their parents from before, but they're taken care of, you know, and they brainwash them. But they were all, like we mentioned earlier, they were quiet. Obviously Gilead puts them in line, but they were still willing to leave. And the Marthas yeah. were willing to take that risk to take these kids out. So it tells you that Gilead is a lot more fucked up than probably what we think. Well, and yeah. it's because the Marthas are essentially yeah. probably They're the people the they are closest to. So they will yeah. listen to their Martha Definitely. because yeah, honestly, the Martha's like the mother. They raised mm -hmm. them, yeah. Mm -hmm. And they are not on board with the Gilead way. They will try to raise the kids in a good way and not in the Gilead way. Right. Just hidden behind the scenes. Yeah. And that's what I assume that they probably, I don't know if the network would have reached out to Martha's who they know that they and their charges would be on board with this. Or if just the people who said yes, like as a Martha, maybe you're thinking I'll say yes, because I know my child is going to go. Whereas if you have mm -hmm. a kid who's kind of more brainwashed, like an Eden or, you know, like that sort of thing, like it'd be harder to get them out because you, you can't get them to understand. So I just assume that these kids were all probably the, the sort that would be on board in general. Right. They looked younger. I mean, they look like Kiki's age and younger, 10 and younger. So more but likely they, to follow. They all were kids that were likely stolen and almost none of the handmaid's kids uh, that were made with commanders, I guess, or doctors or whatever. So no, no really young kids as except the one baby, but the baby just comes with stuff. And then Lawrence comes in and she, as she has her head lying on the table, like staring at the gun, he says he's skipped his meeting, made excuses, and he's taking Kiki back to Lexington. Somebody spotted a Martha with a child near Lexington and the search has been set up. They'll be setting up roadblocks. And June says, well, we'll find another way. You must have maps around here. He says he's pulling the plug. Beth can get a message to the Marthas, June says. So she can get married off at 14? No, I'm not doing that. I'm not sending her back so she can get raped and maimed in this insane fucking world that you helped build. And he says she'll be protected because she's a commander's daughter. And this is where the where Emily comes in. Uh, June goes straight for the clit. She's not going to get her clit cut off when she falls in love? No, it's too much. Mrs. Lawrence of Matthew Francis, too many. And Lawrence says the universe doesn't 
have a balance sheet, I'm afraid. But June's sister does and says she almost shot a 10-year-old girl for crying. Uh, this can't have been for nothing. But Lauren says he's made his decision. And June stands up and says, man, fucking pathological. You're not in charge. I am. So go to your fucking office and find me a map. And Lauren <laughs> has the nerve to say, you're still in my house, young lady. Yeah. Hello, <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, and she predictably responds. You you really think this is your house? I really like that she mentioned you know her three her three casualties in the season, which is Mrs. Lawrence of Matthew and Francis, because mm-hmm. obviously she gets a lot of shit for her shitty decisions. Because I agree, there were shitty decisions, but she's not supposed to know what to do. So I kind of understand as stupid as they were when I was watching them, why she made them. But it just shows that she carries the guilt of those casualties. She she does know that she had a part or the whole part on, on these things and the decisions that she had to make to become ruthless in order to have this plan work. So mm-hmm. I really enjoyed when she, when she does mention this because a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, she just doesn't care. She cares. She just cannot, she cannot deal with that right now because if not, she won't be able to do her plan. And then all of that would have been for, no- for nothing. So when she says about the balance, I guess that's a way of her bringing justice, quote unquote. I don't know how to. She's trying to balance it out, really. I mean, even though it doesn't have a balance sheet internally, it does, because obviously, like, you know, you could say like she when she says she wants it all to be worth something, you know, some people could interpret that as because my daughters were taken from me, so I need to make it worth it. But she also needs to make it worth something to repent for the casual, like we said, the casualties that she was responsible for. Making sure that their deaths are not in vain. Fred is being interviewed, telling three notably female government officials how Gilead works. He tells them a dozen commanders sit on each council, give or take, and they ask if he was in charge. And he won't admit to that, says he kept the wolves at bay, so to speak. Just never stops bothering me that they call him commander in Canada as a prisoner. Would you do that to Hitler? I don't think he would, though. Anyway, uh, Tuella comes in and the session breaks up. Fred asks Tuella if he's worked with Liz Murray Murphy before. And yes, Tuella asks if he's got a problem with her, but Fred says he finds her very smart and thorough. And then he drops the bomb that he has a serious crimes to report of his wife's. And Tuella defends her, of course, saying not only that she has immunity, but that anything Serena did was done under duress. She had no power. She was subject to the state. Please, Mark Chuello, what the fuck? Mm. And for once, this time, I agree with Fred. He says, I can assure you that what Mrs. Waterford did was far beyond, beyond the laws of Gilead and the laws of God. Oh, I hate, I hate the Chuello <sighs> thing. It, it bugs me so much that Fred is only uh, telling him about the June and Nick rape and not about the fact that she basically helped the guys building all of this taking oh, the country me, over she is she was part of the takeover even though she wasn't there but she knew it and she um she wanted it he doesn't also tell him that june uh, june serena had the idea to rape june to induce yep. her labor as yes well. that's the that's, thing that drives oh me but that would compromise him even more because yeah i know tell about that i mean i think fred just wants to well fuck her up a little bit so she does not get free but not in a in like in a very bad way you know it's more of a negotiation like you need to back off because i got shit on you it's like he wants to get back at her yeah and also probably he wants 
that she comes back to him I think that she's on his side again right I, I loved about the fact that he was like um, lying his ass off about no I'm, I'm like I help maintain the quorum I'm like I'm not in charge I'm I'm just sitting there and I agree that was <laughs> then Beth and June are strategically planning over the map the airport is five miles away but if they take Lawrence's car it'll take too many trips and right now they still think there's 52 kids coming. So that would take a shitload of trips. Uh, but Sienna interjects and says they can walk if they go through the woods and follow the creek. It's a lot less than the five mile drive. Hey, Sienna, smart girl. Don't discount her. And she mentions they'll need to mark the way though. But it's very helpful that it's along a creek. Without it being along a creek, it would be really, really hard. And then June goes outside and there's a vehicle with a spotlight searching. But also there are Martha's coming children. It's starting. Mm -hmm. And God damn it, they made me cry again. Like, I was almost there anyway, but when Rita walked out of the woods and then she told June that the Martha with her, with the baby, shot her commander and wife because they were couldn't let her go. Yeah. And I'm so proud of her for shooting them in order to get the baby out. And as they go inside, June embraces Rita like hard. This is another Rita June where we see how deep their connection is because she's known her the whole time, right? She knows she's not always been this mom boss. She's a human being with feelings and fear. And then Sienna's there and tells them they've got to go, which we see means using the sheets they were cutting up earlier to mark the way. It's kind of funny to me, though, that June's not taking off her bonnet, uh, but I, I really, really enjoy watching Rita and her work in the woods together in this way. So it was very convenient that they cut off all the sheets because it was not planned that they, they didn't have walk, that right? It was just... Why did they cut off the sheets initially, though? Because I, I think for the, was... for the food, right? They made the, they, they put the food inside, I think. Yeah, I think she uh, took the, the rim off. Yeah, she took the rim off because it's uh, like the hard. Probably pet. just the leftovers yeah. of the sheets yeah. oh, they okay. could reuse for the markings. Yeah, did more with Serena, and Tuella comes out, and he's not being his flirty self. In fact, he immediately harshly orders the chaperone to take the child, and Serena, you know what's going on and he informs her that under warrant from the ICC and the government of the United States of America he's placing her under arrest crimes against humanity sexual slavery and the rape of June Osborne and she defends herself saying no no, no. it was a religious ritual ordered under the state I have immunity and Tuella explains this charge has nothing to do with what you did with your husband he didn't even say like what your husband did or anything like he knows she was complicit he further explains, you forced your driver to impregnate Ms. Osborne so you could claim the resulting child. <laughs> Serena desperately says, Nick and Offred had a relationship. And I can't Offred. believe she's calling her Offred right now. I, I cannot believe she called her Offred right then. Of all times to call her Offred. Really? Jesus. Ugh. And he says, it's still rape. She begs him, but she's taken away. And he looks sad. It's still rape. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nick is a victim, just as June is. And I love that it's spelled out because so many people will say, oh, Nick raped June. No, he was forced. He had no choice. And it's rape, which is why Serena is getting charged with that, because two people, even though they would have they got together anyway and fell in love, they were still forced to do something at that day that they didn't want to do. Yeah. Yeah. I also learned that like you could tell to Tuella loses respect for her, obviously, because of oh, like yeah. his his you know facial expression and body language, but then he calls her Mrs. Waterford and then she yeah. calls him Mark. So it's like now he's becoming like 
withdrawn from her like he should have been this whole time and not getting emotionally involved. And now Serena is trying to get personal with him, calling him by his first name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then June and the Marthas are getting back to the house and they see that the light is out. They walk in nervously and it's so quiet at first. What happened? But as they walk further in, you start to hear Lawrence speaking and then we see a room packed full of children, like way more than they expected. Enraptured by Lawrence reading Treasure Island. Which, by the way, I Judy. love this because he looks like Santa Claus there, like with yeah. all the children surrounding him. I'm like, oh, Lawrence is Santa. June makes her way to Lawrence, holding back tears, and clearly so moved by the scene. And then Janine's there, and June is so happy to see her. And they got them, Martha. They're going house to house. I'm very surprised that she hasn't just told them where they are already. But June knows they have to go now. So she issues the order, and everyone moves. Do we ever learn if Alma's boy made it? We don't, right? I'm assuming not, because we don't see Alma with the boy. Uh, as everyone leaves, Lawrence comes out. You said you weren't going to be in any trouble. Yeah, I lied. And, <laughs> I <love that. laughs> he, and then he says women. And it's funny, too, because earlier she said men. June tries to convince him to come with them, but he says he's not a big fan of flying or children. And June scoffs and rolls her eyes, and he says, seriously, Eleanor would have wanted him to stay and clean up his own mess. And she says, well, may God grant you peace, Joseph. And you, June Osborne. And I like that he gives her, I mean, obviously he has a lot of respect for her at this point, but I like that he used her whole name. I feel like that was extra respectful in this land. And they share a sweet look before she heads out with all the kids and Martha's. We watch as they walk through the woods, parallel to a road with eyes van searching for them. And they, they run when it's necessary. And then they get down. And there's just so many of them. But when they get down, Rita's trying to keep the baby from crying. And ultimately, she didn't. And they see the plane and everyone's looking at each other in kind of like disbelief or pride that they did it. But then they see a guardian car roll up. She comes up with a plan and tells them to follow the fence and find a safe place to cross. And June sees Kiki and asks her if she's okay. And June apologizes. It's been so hard. It's not fair to her. It's been so hard. And Kiki wisely says, it's okay. Sometimes you have to do things that you have to do. It's like a little June Osborne in the making. Mm-hmm. And she hands her off to Rita and makes her promise to take care of her and get them on the plane and Rita protests at June staying behind but she promises Janine is feels the same way and she asks if June's sure as Rita Lee she she shakily gets out may he and his mercy protect you and then as June's walking away by herself to somehow you know distract them so they can get away she starts letting it actually get to her whatever her fate is going to be while everybody else gets away and she's you can just see she's terrified but she doesn't ever show the others. She's an amazing leader. And she's there all by herself, ready to distract the guardians alone when, God damn it, Bruce Miller decided to make me cry again. She hears noise behind her and turns and sees a ton of Marthas all coming to help her. It, it, everyone is sacrificing their lives to get this plane out. Except for very few, right? Almost all the Marthas came back too. Everybody? I mean, a few of them had to stay with the kids, obviously. Yeah. 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 Right. But when the plane lands, it's just a few Marthas, really. Nine, right? right? Um, I think I do that. Nine? Yeah, yeah. Ah. but that's amazing. And, so there's like fifth, you know. Wow. Yeah, and um, I re- just realized because I was searching for it that um, no other handmaids than Janine and June were at the moment they stoned the guards. So the other handmaids were not in the plan. So we don't see Alma or Brianna. It's nope, nope. Um, I just checked it. Just Janine and the Marthas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. yeah. Well, where did they come from? 
And why weren't they there? That's the big question we had earlier. A lot of time had passed so, uh, yeah. until they got to June. I mean, it, it, the plane was supposed to leave at midnight. And when they got to June, it was the sun it's, was it's already morning. up. Yeah, it, mm -hmm. so it yeah. must have been six hours. I don't even know how June survived the gunshot wound for six hours yeah. being out in the woods. But... <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's crazy to think that Janine went all the way to wherever she found the others and then yeah. all the way back and the whole time there have to be patrols and everything looking well, for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I love that scene though. Like I just love like this this here is women supporting women. Like yeah. this mm -hmm. is this is what drives this show. It's the heart of this show. And it, it made me cry too. Like it always makes me so oh, emotional. Yeah. Because like June is willing to give up her life. And she knew she knew what was gonna happen. And everybody knew that. And it's like they, you know, it's just it's such a beautiful thing to see people like this is how you should be loving human beings. Like we spoke earlier in the episode about like Gilead having no problem just killing women because they're women or disabled. And right here, yeah. you, you have all these people willing to give up their life to help their friend and save these children. And it's just it's so moving. And then yeah. the music, of course, always like destroys me too when they add that in. <laughs> oh my god, I wrote that somewhere, somewhere in here. Like he takes me again. Like the music in this episode is unbelievable. I don't understand how a human being can, like, he watches his scenes and then thinks of appropriate music for it, and then ends up being like the most mind-blowingly emotional, perfect fit. Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah, it's, how it's that Adam one song they play, works. like when Jen, like when um Emily was free and they play it a lot. And that song, like as soon as I hear it, it just makes me like sob because there's so I'm many sure they've conditioned moments. me to do the same thing and I don't recognize like, oh this just played then. But it, it you know immediately draws those emotions. It's so crazy. I mean this is the first uh, the fifth time I think I watched this episode and I still ball at so many moments of this and I, I'm like I already know what's happening why am I crying again but it's just extremely moving the whole thing incredible episode mm -hmm. yeah incredible. so she rises in her rock and they all rise and start throwing rocks at the guardians with the spotlight and machine guns and the guardians start firing on them as we watch Rita and the kids take the opportunity to walk across the road right beside the guardians who are only focused on June and the women throwing stones at them and then the, I like when the handmaids are laid flat on the ground and June turns to Janine and says it's okay don't worry and kisses her forehead and then she stands while everybody else is hiding and walks out so they can see her into the spotlight and then when the guardian yells hands up she runs into the woods and it works he runs after her and we watch her run through the woods bravely as he's firing at her. And it's so interesting Which I to have her back where she started running through the woods from Guardians, but this time she's like so brave. Her sacrifice was just amazing. Like mm -hmm. every time I yeah. see the scene, I think of all, I mean, I do know that she can be selfish, but you know, you cannot see the scene and like not think about everything that she put in the line. And eventually she just put herself in the line because this was her plan and this is what she wanted. And if I'm going to die and I'm not going to see my daughters anymore, I'm going to make them hurt. And she did it. Oh, yeah. And it was fucking amazing. They all did. They all sacrificed themselves when they went back to help her. Uh, he finally gets her with a shot, though, and she falls. But when he approaches her and turns her over, she shoots him with the gun that she brought, which I'd kind of forgot about by now. So that was a pleasant surprise. And then she gets up, like, obviously in a lot of pain and holds the gun on him until he tells them until he tells the radio it's all clear and she like kind of 
not consoles him, but she's speaking like comfortingly to him. And I she's feel using like she's her sweet voice, like when she gets yeah. manipulative, which I love. Yeah, and I feel like she's implying she's gonna let him go if you know if he had done that. And but when he does, she says good with a smile and thanks him right before she kills him. Ice mm -hmm. Queen, isn't that what Lawrence called her? Yes. Yep. Um, <laughs> she's been shot in the stomach, so it's bad. She can't move. So she lays back on the ground and looks at the sky as the plane takes off. I love it. It's just yeah. like all so ah, brilliant. Right? That moment felt so, so awesome. Yeah. It's the coolest shot. And it's like you can feel the relief. Like yeah. she did it. Right. No matter what happens now, she did it. Exactly. It doesn't, yeah. I mean, she planned on probably dying, and all that mattered was that plane taking off, and she gets to see that. She's pulled off a miracle. Then we see the plane pulling into the hangar in Canada, the perfect next scene, and I love the giant Canadian flag flying, or hanging, I guess. And Laura's in charge saying they've got to be ready for anything. It seems it seems like they have no idea what, what's on the plane, but that it's something important, which is funny to me because I feel like a pilot would have to have some communication devices <laughs> let them know he's landing and such but hey whatever. yeah but i wonder if the pilot didn't really know what exactly was going on back there mm. oh yeah, my god there's not. so many kids back there but no, you're like right. he might have just known like there was going to be special cargo but not exactly or like how many you know but he yeah. must have been abroad right yeah yeah. Or, yeah he's gonna notice the morning plus like as a pilot you can I think you can put it on autopilot for one minute and look and see what's back there. Yeah. But regardless, but I'm pretty sure. I don't know. Maybe he didn't like use the radio or something so that Gilead wouldn't know. I mean, oh, see, that could be. That mm -hmm. Yeah. Plus, I'm sure he's used to bringing things back that he's not supposed to. So mm -hmm. it's probably one of those like, I don't really want to know what's mm -hmm. happening. Back there. <laughs> but then, but then they've got all these guys, these, these volunteers that have come in knowing there's something big, it seems. So. I think they I, knew that people were coming out, but not uh, that as many were coming. Yeah. Right. Or who, like if it was children or adults or... Mm. The pilot opens the door and Mara slowly enters and obviously like cannot believe what she sees. The plane that looked so empty with Serena on it or a similar plane is just full to the brim with children. And, and did, you guys, did you guys look at the kids' faces? Like yeah. they were so sweet. Like some of them just had like their yeah. jaws dropped. It was really cute. <laughs> and kiki asks her if this is a place where i can wear what i want and she says yes it is and like you know moira's wearing pants obviously moira would be a kind of shocking person to first see when you land from gilead mm -hmm. in your pink gown and i love that i'm glad that she was the one to walk in and she says yes and starts offloading the children and as moira's putting that aluminum blanket that apparently helps with shock or something I looked that it up keeps them warm. A mylar blanket. Okay. Mm -hmm. But like, why? I assume shock makes you cold or what? Yeah. No, it's it's just, like, just light was pretty, I mean, it, probably it, cold. Yeah. Anyway, it's when you're in the middle of when an emergency has happened. Yeah. Yes. I mean, in every emergency, you see people putting the mylar blanket on them. By the way, uh, Kiki slash Rebecca was played by Kate Moyer, and, and she's so good. Uh, as Moyer's putting the blanket on her, and she asked her name and before the child can answer we hear a man say rebecca and and she looks up and then i cry again it's her dad and she yells dad and runs to him and they're both crying and holding each other so hard and it's like uh it's such a great moment but oh, also, i feel so bad for luke 
I mean, because yeah, yeah. yeah. you know, poor my second Luke. favorite Luke. I mean, he's just he sitting there watching each child come out. Can you imagine? Santa. No, yeah. oh, poor, oh, poor. Guy. It didn't. I didn't even notice that when I watched the first time he says, come on, Hannah, like under his breath. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh no, fucking shit. Gosh, she must have been. It's so beautiful to see this girl reunited with her father. It just makes me sob. And then you see Luke's face and it just shatters my heart because it's just not fair. You know, like it's just, and I think the fact that June did this and he doesn't get his wife or his daughter and yeah. it's just it it's very yeah it, it hurts hurt. and, and moira i mean she's immediately they are so so good friends but then she's he's the reunion and immediately goes to him because she knows exactly what that must uh-huh. feel yeah. like i feel so bad and og does an unbelievable job at, yeah at the scene like unbelievable to me because he breaks my heart i feel so yeah. sad for him uh, and, I hate that she's and Rebecca, not, I hate that she's not on there. Yeah, and like it's just sad because it's like Rebecca is like a painful reminder for both. Like it starts with June and then ends with Luke. Like June is heartbroken because this girl in particular is the same age as Hannah, so it's almost right. like Hannah to her. Yeah, and then Luke sees this same girl get reunited with her father. Yeah, okay. and that's his Hannah that he's not getting reunited with, and it's just oh, it's, so heartbreaking. It's yeah, I said, yeah, I just said Luke's watching them and he's excited to see the kids, of course, because they're kids, but he also is just dying because Hannah's not coming out. And Moira reaches out to him, knowing what he's thinking. And then when Rita gets off the plane and someone takes her baby, Rita bends down and touches the ground and bows her head in tears. She can't believe she's here. Oh, I love Rita. Oh and this is a big I moment cried. for me, too. I, mm-hmm. I cried this whole episode. <laughs> I don't think there was any episode that made me cry more, actually. And Emily sees the, uh, sees her and recognizes her. She calls her name and, and reminds her that she's Emily, but she nerves off Glenn and reaches her hand out, which Rita it takes and pulls her into an embrace. She knows somebody and she's crying. But yeah, and this is where I, I said, by the way, another person who aggressively tries to ruin my makeup is Adam Taylor. I have a fucking music in the scenes. Oh. Like, unbelievably moving. It's perfect. How do you do that? Mm-hmm. Move on. And OT's eyes are full of tears as he watches. Nobody else get off the plane, and I can't stand it. It's so fucking sad. But Rita hears Emily call out to Luke, and Rita sees him and calls out to him. Like me, Rita's crying a lot now, and she tells him, "It's really good to meet you." She did this, June. You're June. She did this. She did everything. And he holds her back tight. He's he's heartbroken, but I think getting comfort from her too. Mm-hmm. yeah but he's got to be feeling so much like obviously he's heartbroken but then he's probably so proud of her like this is insane but yeah. then probably confused like why isn't she here why isn't hannah here and you can see right. all those emotions going through his face and it's just it's very stuck. bittersweet for him and then oh and then and that she I mean, was able to do this while being in gilead when unfortunately him and moira haven't been able to do much Much. because of the bureaucracy so it's like Mm -hmm. a very sad contrast as well right oh it's super sad and and it's this is one very clear choice of her not coming back to him i think too Um, right i don't know that how many times he knows that she's chosen i guess the emily time so the end of last season and then this one also she was able to arrange all this she chose not to come back 
mm-hmm. to him, but it's because of his daughter. So hopefully mm-hmm. you understand. How, I have um, a question. Sorry, mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys know this, but how does Emily and Rita like? Did I miss a scene of them together, or is, I was? Yeah. No, I got the same. <laughs> I think just because it was the walking partner, yeah. and Emily would show up at the gate so often that. Yeah, I and, think so I'm sure you know June maybe knew she. That's why she goes Emily. Then she goes Auckland. And then I'm sure it triggered. Oh, okay. That was June's walking partner. Yeah. But But I wonder if she also knew her from the Mayday Network because Emily was involved with them. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It didn't seem like they knew each other's faces, but the name rung a bell. It looked like this because um, Emily recognizes um, Rita. She calls her out. So Emily sees Rita and is like, I know her. So she has seen her face and I'm like no maybe they I mean the Marthas go from house to house if they have to help out maybe right. she was at their house once or whatever or uh, during birthing ceremonies there are so many households mixed maybe the Marthas helped us sometimes too I don't or know maybe but being part of the resistance you just know yeah but there's it, a seems like, <laughs> it seems like most of the um, Mayday people don't really know the next right uh, the, they're not allowed yeah. all of but the they space. might know households maybe like yeah maybe who lives in this household or yeah i don't know i wonder like, that hmm. um then it's the woods at dawn and the handmaids are walking towards june her besties now and june looks dead because her eyes are open and she's not making but then she moves her eyes and she starts remembering luke and hannah and again, this still like feels like a very good death montage, thinking of that before you die. But it's a really cute scene between Luke and June and an adorable younger Hannah. And then we see through her blurry eyes as the handmaids run to her and Janine and Alma and Brianna. And they're so excited to see her. They must have been looking for her for a long time. Mm-hmm. June's eyes are so beautiful. I mean, Lizzie's eyes. And then the six handmaids pick her up together and they're walking her through the woods. There's an aerial shot where we see the dead guardian too. But the shot of the six of them carrying June from the box is so cool. Which I also love that it's the handmaids walking in pairs, technically. Right. Yeah. And they're carrying their leader. Like, that's just, I love that that image. Also looks like a funeral procession though. Isn't it six fathers usually? Yes, it did. Yeah. Yeah. It did. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and the voiceover says, the Lord said, I have seen my people in bondage and I have heard their cry. I know their sorrows. I have come to deliver them from the hand of evil men and to lead my people out of that sorrowful place to a land flowing with milk and honey. And that is Exodus 3.8, when God promises to take the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. And they're yep. playing du- Into Dust by Mazzy Star. And those lyrics are, as always, relevant. I could possibly be fading or have something more to gain. I could feel myself growing colder. I could feel myself under your feet. But it's good. Like, maybe maybe it's not time to die yet. Mm-hmm. I got more to do. Perfect ending of a season. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. God. Amazing episode. It was. Amazing. Okay, I think that's a wrap on our spoiler-free analysis of, well, season 30. So if you're a new watcher, come back on Thursday to hear us talk about season four, episode one. And if you're a longtime fan, hang on for a second, and we're going to talk about the episode in the context of the show to date. Okay, then let's dive in. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Kate. (laughs) (laughs) Who's going first? Go ahead, Scott. (laughs) Okay, what I had for deep dive was 
actually, it's kind of like a deep dive going back because I had in episode 102, Emily is telling June that there's a network and that they can help people. And June says, I don't know, I'm not that kind of person. And Emily says, no one is until they have to. And I think that parallels very beautifully with what we've seen of season three, especially in this episode and what she actually does. And obviously, you know, all the way up to season four and hopefully season five. Yes, I agree. I had also that parallel of Rita and June, how Rita obviously, you know, tries to help June escape that second time in season two. And then now in the season finale for season three, because of June's plan, Rita actually escapes. I thought that was cool. Mm Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like an opposite parallel. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of going like <laughs> backwards instead of forward. The other one I had was Serena's obsession with baby Holly, like how we still see in this episode and obviously in season four. I have something for Sienna because she looked like she didn't really have to do anything with the plan at first. She was just stringing along and um, June basically left her a bit out at first, I guess. And she really want, seems to want to help and anything. And I was just getting really sad because it was like, she has no clue where she has walked into and she will pay with it big time. And then I realized that she was uh, doing more and more during the episode. I didn't realize that in the first three times I watched it really because I didn't really focus on everybody. But June basically... Uh, and now I saw that Sienna really took charge at some points and really helped a lot. And in the end, threw her life on the line as well when they got back to help June with the stoning of the guards. And yeah, it just made me really sad because she was like, she was all that innocent. And in a turn of one day, she was made in this rebellious woman and then paid for it immediately. Mm-hmm. She was tortured right after, basically, and then thrown off the roof. How nice. Yeah, so. it was sad because it was like right when she came into her own. She like heeded June's exactly. advice to like get your, you know, you got to do it on your own. You don't need yeah. to be, you know, lead, be a leader. Don't always yeah. wait for somebody to to tell you what to do. And she really took that to heart. And then, oh, oh God. Yeah. She was the one that did the, um when they're trying to figure out how to get you know, to the airport. Yeah. She was the one that discovered the route. So yeah, yeah mm. I realized that. She really stepped up. And I didn't notice her being at the part where they stoned the first guard and try to get the other one. And I didn't realize that it was her too because it was so dark the whole time and I uh, only noticed June and Janine. So yeah. Uh. But it's just sad because it shows you the price you pay. Like, you know, if you want to be a leader, if you want to be in the rebellion, like yeah. unfortunately... Some people are going to live and some people are not. And that's the risk you're taking, but it's just exactly. Well, it's like they're Mm -hmm. quasi-military. That's what it's like. They're, they're, they're like a a military branch. It's like you step into that role and you know that it might become a sacrifice. You know, you might risk your life for this cause. But then it's sad because what are your other options? Like just keep on living miserably and being tortured. Like there's no, once again, in Gilead, there is no good option. Yeah. Yeah. And then the next point I had was basically similar because uh, Lawrence noticed that Beth was sick as well, or or he heard that Beth was sick. And he was like, well, 
she's afraid of afraid of dying i imagine <laughs> something that doesn't appear to trouble you and i was almost chuckling at that and then i remembered that she was meeting her end at the same time as Diana. so but she was way way more ready oh yeah, I mean, Beth, yeah. Beth she was, was ready way then. more ready than yeah mm -hmm. then. she i mean she was sick thinking about dying yeah. and then on this roof she was so strong yes yeah, yeah. it was totally opposite from yeah. Sienna basically because Sienna was more um, not really thinking about the consequences basically because she was just following June's lead and trying to be strong and everything I mean she probably knew that this could happen but in the end she was the one that was really more of, of course more afraid I would I think she knew about the consequences because she was when she was in introduced she, she was afraid of dying every day like just for yeah. minor things even so yeah but at, at this day when she finally really took charge as well and and got in there she really looked fierce and brave and everything and so then you think moon, because so. she thought she might be getting on the plane and out of Gilead so she... maybe but I don't know it was just like it was so weird that they both uh, had this dif different uh, reactions in both scenes in that scene, there was like Beth freaking out and Sienna trying to own herself. And uh, then on the rooftop, it was Sienna freaking out and Beth owning the moment and being like full brave and yeah. I think it's also the reality. I mean, I'm pretty sure Beth knew because she's been doing this longer. Yeah. What the reality was going to be and Sienna, maybe she thought about it. But once you're faced with it, like this is it, it's completely yeah. different. You know, it's one thing to have an idea in your head, like, oh, I'm going to do this. But then once reality hits and like it's all organized and you have the plane and the people set up, it's like, shit, like this is real and it's happening. And like we may die tonight, like this very night we we may die. This may not work. Yeah. It may fail. So like for Beth, obviously, she's been in this since the very beginning. Like we've only known Beth as being a part of Mayday or the underground. But I think it's more of she was nervous but then she was fine whereas Sienna was more like nervous you know for the whole season and then being around these strong women who are like doing you know like June is totally confident doing all this like that yeah. rubs off on her she's seeing all this and she finally got inspired enough to just do it without having as much time to think about like what's going to happen. I love that they showed basically two completely different routes this could with um with different personalities when you're a rebel yeah and while i was thinking about both of them i realized at the ending that they are not shown with their handmaids to uh, that were going back to save june so i thought about why did they go back to lawrence's because i mean they must have gone back because they are getting caught right i assume they got arrested when he did yeah yeah but he was staying back at home and they basically could have run with the handmaids but they chose to go back to him and that was uh, really uh, bugging me a bit because I wanted to know now why why did they decide to not flee and go back to Lawrence and risk getting taken? I mean all the Marthas really because there was a lot of them that stayed back yeah. I'm sure they didn't yeah. all get shot maybe the story was going to be like the handmaids kidnapped the ch I don't I don't know how they were going to play it out yeah but I'm pretty sure Lawrence kind of had some story to try to cover it up but it didn't do good because because he was no, in prison awaiting death right yeah yeah I'm I'm assuming that all the Marthas pretty much were killed don't you I mean 
I would of all so. those children. I think so, yeah. Yeah, because all their children were gone. Yeah. So what are you going to go back and tell your commander and wife? I mean, yeah. I'm sure some are sent to the colonies, but no matter what, they're getting some type of a death sentence. They're probably tortured, you know, yeah. what mm-hmm. do you know? And then either just killed or, I mean, they the Marthas especially risked their lives because yeah. they didn't have their womb to save them. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like um, the handmaids know that they're not, they're, they're not as easily killed off, you know? They pretty much, as far as handmaids, like even at Lawrence's house and during the whole escape, they showed Janine and June, but they didn't show the other ones. I mean, I'm assuming they were just in the background because then all of a sudden at the end, they're all coming in to save June. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We, we got to see um, that some, that one handmaid, I noticed that was coming with a child to the mm-hmm. house. So probably they did all the same, but yeah, they weren't shown. I was under the impression that, I don't know, like Deneen went and got him for some reason. I don't know, because it was night and then it was morning. Like, we right. don't know how much time it went by. But then how were they able yeah. to walk how? from the market, you know, like. Yeah. And then how would you see June laying there bleeding and be like, I need to actually leave on foot, go get them and come back. So that's right. But I don't know. Yeah, yeah no. I'm just- I think they were there because I think they were at the stoning too. I think there were more than Janine, more handmaids. Probably. How many Marthas did get out? I can't remember. The, I only remember the number of the kids that got out. But um, it's probably in season four, right? Yeah. Four, four, uh, four Episode one, one right? When, when he comes to Fred. Nine. Nine Marthas on board. Okay. Nine. Okay. Okay. There were way, way, way more Marthas. Okay when they had the kids in the house but but a lot of them stayed ended up helping june so i think yes, they yes. all the marthas who brought out how many kids were there again 86 86 i mean there's a lot of marthas that are i mean maybe they just tried to escape on foot like yeah. june maybe. and the handmaids yeah. like maybe they went and found i mean their their only choice was to escape or die i guess right yeah and i have one last point that was when they uh, did the markings on the tree and then they got back to the house. I, I guess it was June and Rita and Sienna and Beth, right? And they got back to the house and it was all dark because they turned off the electricity or I don't know why the lights were off. And they thought that something is wrong. And that really remembered me of the moment that June uh, came back to the Keys house after mm. the Jezebel's incident let's say that and yeah it was really eerie and for the first time I was reminded of that scene I never really clocked that but yeah that reminded me of that and then so did um when June killed the guardian and his blood splattered on her face yes oh my god instantly I was like oh my gosh that's like the polar opposite of episode two in season four Because it was in season four, it was her other side of her face that got up. But both times, it was a guardian dying and her face being splattered. Yes. Yeah. The, I love the scene where Tuello like confronts Serena about her charges and she gets arrested. And I love that he finally like lost some respect for her. Yeah. Um. And you know his his crush was destroyed for a little bit, but then it just and I was like, okay, good. He finally sees who she is. And then it drove me crazy in season four to see him all of a sudden like being interested yeah. in her again and like continuing with his crush and <sighs> you know I'm like dude this you don't have an excuse in season four because you know what she's done you know what she's capable of yet you still 
you still are into her and that just drives me crazy I, I felt that he was like bummed out or sad about it or something like that and through the whole season four I had the feeling that he was sad about that she was like she was and I was like can you get over it please <laughs> yeah do your job she's not worth it no like do you mean just in the beginning of the season or also after June's testimony Ginger in season four it just felt like that respect that he lost for her and those feelings or whatever that he seemed to lose like he seemed he did seem very disappointed when he arrested her like almost like he was personally offended like not just upset because she had June and Nick raped like he already knew even in the beginning of the season what she's capable of and what she's done and then he did hear the testimony so like it's just he learned more about her and Fred so like you would think he would not gain that crush back or like flirt with her and all that again you know yeah I just think Tuello has a real problem with seeing women as victims you know what I mean like yeah I think he just you know he's a product of the patriarchy too he just sees women I I, as weaker and that they need to be taken care of and that Serena was obviously duped into this life like I feel like that's the dance he does with her like she, you know, is the victim. And so he gets upset when he realizes that, no, she's the villain, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. And, and I do have to step back. Yeah. You have to be Doesn't able he to know. Doesn't he know that she wrote this book and it yes, kind of inspired Gilead? And mm-hmm. she even, I mean, I don't know, probably he won't know that she even knew about the bombing plans. Yeah, that bothered me a lot. That's what a lot of people think that all women are victims and they cannot mm-hmm. understand that some men are not women are part of the whole patriarch society. And mm-hmm. they also do not understand that a patriarchal society affects men. It doesn't affect men the same way that it affects us because we're in a disadvantage, but it yeah. does affect them in the way they behave towards women. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting how all these things you can see in the show. Because a lot of people just think that Serena was just a victim. Yes, in Gilead, she had, quote unquote, no power. But the power that she had, she used it to create pain. And she was cool. And she didn't have to. Yeah. And she was there since the beginning. And she was more than willing to do everything that she did. I mean, part of the reason why someone like Trump could even get to where he was is because, sadly, a lot of women did support him. Especially rich white women who weren't personally, like affected by his policies and his everything and it's it's women like serena that helps vote for someone like that you know and that's why it's frustrating too because people feel empathy for her because she's a woman and she's got to be a victim but then nick god forbid we feel empathy for him because he is a victim in many ways like just the fact that he was 19 joining the soj like being manipulated and then being raped along with june really yeah so i have a few more notes especially when it comes to june and the gun slash guns <laughs> she has now used it used because the one we see in this episode is the one from eleanor right uh, from lawrence right yeah yeah it's but from, eleanor from... when eleanor was threatening lawrence she like oh. june took the gun from her and mm-hmm. hit it right yeah so we have like different occasions where she used that gun. Um, well, not just that gun, but like guns in, in, in general. So we have like the episode before where she, well, kind of nearly shoots Eleanor. 
but she didn't. Then we have in this episode where she nearly shoots Maggie and nearly shoots Kiki. And in the end, shoots that guardian with that gun. So, but that, that will be the only time she actually uses the guns she has, right? I think. Because in season four, yeah. we, we, we will see her um, have the gun that Nick brings her in episode 10, season finale. Hey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but she will not use it against um, Fred as well because he chooses the whistle and not the gun. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, because we have also seen the promo material and if you didn't see the trailer, just get, go away now. <laughs> because <laughs> we, <laughs> because uh, we also see um, June having still having this gun and coming for Serena with it now. Yay. So... I wonder if she will use the gun again or if if not. I think she will. I suspect she will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, we'll see. I can't wait to. Uh, and when we will talk, uh, I was t- just talking about a finale. And well, this season's finale kind of ended in the woods. And season four finale also ended in the woods. Mm-hmm. And it's also nice because the whole show started in the woods with June running away like I she did that. here and I like that parallel yeah a lot I had that note too because the woods it's like a theme in, mm-hmm. in this whole series because like you said it starts out in the woods where she's captured season two she travels through the woods when she's attempting to escape on her own mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but like she's not sure about that because she knows she's leaving behind Hannah and then obviously here like she uses the woods as a positive thing to get these children out and then in season four it ends with her taking back her power and yeah. killing fred in the woods so it's like it's like a cool way they're showing her journey yeah definitely um the other note i have is when Lawrence says i'm staying here um cleaning up my own mess i was thinking about his agenda of, especially in season four i mean when we know that he will not be killed and also, like, going now into season five, is everything he's doing in season four, is this his way of cleaning up his mess? Do you guys think that? Yeah, I think yeah. I, I think he tries to not burn Gilead literally to the ground, but um, make them start over, like, yeah. do it right, like, just really care about environment and care about children and not forcing people to get pregnant and not forcing people to be slaves and everything I think he wants to maybe change it to a good country or something like that but I don't know in which way he really wants to go I don't know if he wants to get rid of the Martha slaves I don't know if he wants to get rid of all the hierarchy stuff and everything I have a bit of a doubt there but I think he wants to make it better and not just kill everybody. Mm-hmm. I think he would just like, I think he would take Gilead down if he could, if he were given that opportunity. I think he's pretty like. Well, when he talks to Lydia, he's like saying um, they need to change it, not that they right. need to get it mm-hmm. over with. Well, yeah. it would be bold of him to tell him that he wants to take it down. But yeah, I don't know. Good question what his goal would be if he could just choose. Yeah. He'd probably still like to control things. So yeah, he'd probably just replan it. But 
yeah. a restructuring, like it's a business. So that's going to go in the there. And... I, think he, I mean, yeah, he's that exact word. Yeah. yeah. He's in economy. He wrote book books yeah. about workforce of women and stuff like this. Mm-hmm. He's always referencing uh, things like this when he's talking about he approaches that like general, a business. Yeah. 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 It's going to lay some I cannot, people off. I can <laughs> when, when Cora talks back to him, he's like, I cannot motivate my employees. Or yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. yeah. It's like he thinks some of the things are done right, like the environment stuff, because they get the air cleaner and everything. He doesn't think that everything is shit that they built. But he came up with the colonies, right? I mean, he yeah. came up with the fact to send their people. I don't to... know if he actually said that they should send women to clean up that. He probably just made a snarky comment or just said that they should uh, use the prisoners to clean up the, there, but didn't really specify what exactly hmm. they, how they... I'm sure the it. colonies were for those who couldn't contribute society yeah. in somewhere and oh yeah definitely i think so so i mean he would find a way to utilize them um, the way we we seen him um i can't just say he was like yeah just use all the useless women and put them there to die basically no no I don't no, no, no it was a way for him to to use their workforce definitely yes. yeah right because i mean he was writing this book about mercantile um economy so yeah which means it's, it's becoming self-sufficient right yeah. right and i think the toxic colonies were definitely for those the prisoners yeah. the other yeah. colonies were just for those who had no purpose like, except yeah. to do that yeah but they sure like to make prisoners and Gilead. so then it's a lot of yeah. innocent people going there he probably didn't anticipate that but that's what he got yeah all right and then just one last note about, um, again, about the cages we've seen. And again, about this trailer that just, or teaser that just dropped. And we see kind of June and Luke in a similar caged structure. I don't know. If, I, don't, I don't want to imply it's a, hopefully not a Gilead cage, but they are behind bars somewhere or behind fences. But so. they're behind squares. Like yeah, yeah. it doesn't not really typical. look like prison bars, right? Right. I was checking with the um, with the prison where Moira and Emily were like sent to when they were protesting, mm-hmm. and it looked yeah. totally different. It looked like bars, you know, and not typical like prison, cage. right? Yeah, not like yeah. a fence or a cage. So yeah, so Melissa was the first one that mentioned this. Yeah, that day, Melissa pointed that out, and I was like, "Whoa, they get caught in Gilead because it looks exactly like those cages." So. It does not necessarily mean that. I'm so worried. I mean, it would be <laughs> fine. I'm down with that. Nick would have to save them. We'd get our Nick Luke confrontation. They'll just go to Nick's house. <laughs> no big deal. Okay, all- good. Nice. <sighs> I mean, seeing Luke in Gilead, like, oh, you know, it, it'd be it'd be interesting. I just have one more, I guess, general observation, kind of. So June's journey is you know, she comes really far in this season, but it's just really hard to watch. And especially the, you know, the episode seven, eight and nine, like she really turns into somebody we're not used to seeing, but I think it, you know, by the end of the season, I love that you can really see like why it was necessary for her to go through everything that she did in order to build her up to the leader that it seems that she's been destined to be. And we see her leading, you know, 
so strongly in the finale. And it kind of reminded me of the bridge scene in 403 where she meets with Nick and after he had arrested her and, you know, he tries to apologize to her and she doesn't want to hear it. And I guess after rewatching all of this, it kind of drives home the fact that she really, really understands Nick now more than she ever has because I guess in a way she went through like what he did. Like in season three, she's feeling so much guilt over the choices that she's had to make in Gilead and what she's turned into and who she's turned into. And like I said earlier, it feels like she's almost trying to make amends by getting these kids out. Like if she's going to do anything, if this is all going to be worth it for these people who died that she was responsible for, like something good has to happen to kind of counterbalance that. And I feel like that's, you know, so many people ask the question, why does Nick not leave Gilead? Why doesn't he try? I think this right here, like shows why he doesn't. And you see that with June too, where she, she could have left, she could have left multiple times and she can't because of her daughter. But I think also, I think that's why Nick doesn't leave because he has so much guilt over joining yeah. the son of Jacob. And obviously we know that if Nick didn't join, it's not like that would have changed anything that happened with Gilead. He's not that important, but he had, he still was a part of it and he feels immense guilt over that. And he yeah. feels guilt over the first offering. And so he's basically staying there because he feels like he feels like that's his punishment. Yes. Right. Yes. And he, I feel punishment. like he's also trying to write some of the wrong choices right. he made, even though it never will. I think June really gets that now. Yeah. This journey brings her even closer to Nick. And I guess that's what makes it more painful in season four, at least for me, like it's just, it's hard to watch her go to Canada and be with the people that she loves and wanted to be reunited with for so long. And they don't understand her. And then it breaks my heart even more because Nick, he truly understands her and they can't be together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the episode, when June was lying there and holding her side, I was like thinking back to where exactly was she shot? Do we, um, does anybody remember where? It was her like... Her right side, her right stomach. Yeah, like her lower, yeah, her lower, her lower abdomen. But just a quick note: Would it be low enough to make her infertile now? Just I don't think so. In four hundred one, I think they show where she was shot, and I don't yeah. think it was I like think it's higher, right? It's higher, um, yeah. And the similar with Serena, it's we're all like, hmm. <laughs> yeah. They were both now shot in there, and I never really realized that that they both have now the same yeah june would probably be like sweet free birth control i can fuck nicola yes yeah Yeah. i mean that would be a bonus (laughs) wouldn't it i'd be thrilled oh yeah this is entirely related to this episode but i I can't remember if we ever discussed it in the six or three six i guess is that when they're taking the photo with angel wings and such Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Mm-hmm. and nick comes in and yeah. i wrote that it's like it's cool that they're holding hands and serena's holding her own hands or whatever and somebody commented somewhere i can't remember if it was on like dm insta or what that um that nick and june actually like interlock pinkies yeah where mm-hmm. and serena's missing her pinky like i never mm-hmm. i had oh, not i actually noticed that so this cool. time around i yeah because i was like 
Oh, that's kind of funny. She doesn't have a pussy. I mean, that's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Uh, something I Serena wish... can never do. <laughs> I wish that I had noticed that. That is so she can, cool. can cannot make any pinky promises anymore. Not on that oh. hand. She'd <laughs> <laughs> be crossing the fingers behind her back anyway. Mm. Once again, June has pretty much everything that the upper Serena hand. wants. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Yes, good hand jokes, eye jokes. <laughs> I had um, a little bit kind of like on Jen's note of season three. Obviously, I've been very open uh, that I yes. really like season three. She's our season three expert. I know June's journey is not an easy journey to watch because she does things that are kind of morally questionable. And we see her as a hero, even though she's not the hero of the story, as viewers, that's what we're gonna see. We're gonna put our faith in her and we're gonna see her exactly as that. But she's just a woman trying to survive. And through season one and three, season two, she was just trying to get to Hannah. That was her main purpose. And people are always like, well, she's not trying to do anything other than get Hannah. And in this, in this season, she obviously gets totally broken. And once she realizes that she's not gonna see her daughters anymore, she makes this decision of, hurting Gilead or just doing something big and she decides to just save children the same thing that was done to her but in order for her to do that she had to take this journey into becoming ruthless which is what you know she does in her voiceover at the beginning of the episode so Mm -hmm. I do know that it's very hard to watch like our quote-unquote hero become or do things that we're going to question but she's in a war and in a war you have to make those decisions, kind of like Lauren says, um, it's the cost of doing business. Yeah. And she can't fight Gilead and the people that keep pushing her down and breaking her and taking everything away from her by being empathetic. Because these people are not empathetic. Like she says at the beginning, they're ruthless. So she has to become ruthless. It doesn't mean that, you know, it doesn't affect her. Because I think losing your humanity is, is really, really hard, especially after everything that she's gone through. So I do enjoy that journey because it's not the typical cookie cutter journey that we see on TV. It's different and it's real and she's flawed. And I think that's why some of us maybe identify with her more than maybe others. But I I really do enjoy that they chose that to portray instead of the usual, you know, everything's perfect. She made the plan. Nobody got hurt and everything's, you know, pink and bows and yay. No, I, I like this, this version of, messy and fuck and all that yeah I love that and it also reminds me of like the whole ruthlessness quote I posted that video today because it reminds me so much of what's going on in America right now that as a democratic party you know they always say we want to take the high road we're better than them we're not going to sink down to their levels but at this point the other party is fighting ruthlessly and you cannot fight that without some level of ruthlessness yourself or at least you know playing the new game that they've decided that we're playing right so I love Biden very much but I think that the old ideals of we're all gentlemen that's that's out the window and I think that if we're gonna fight this Roe v. Wade and and the whole Supreme Court the way that it's going we have to change tactics as well and yeah. obviously the most important thing in the world is vote, vote, vote. But also I think that the higher people that have power have to have to look at how they're playing the game and decide if they want to win or lose. Yeah. I agree. It's, it's so, so sad because society kind of, you know, when you fight back, you become the bad person. 
you know, it's like, okay, so I'm supposed to let everything be taken away, like all my rights be taken away and then ask nicely because they told us Roe v. Wade was not going to be taken away. And it was. So what, right. what comes next? You know, like you can't, then, then we become the bad ones or like, oh, you're just being dramatic or exaggerating or, you know, and I'm not blind. I know that there are women in other parts of the world that have other, they have it a lot worse, you know, but this is the country where we live in and we can't wait for that to happen over here either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not a competition. We live, yeah, like you said, we live no. in the country we live in and we need to handle that. And we're like, that bathtub line is just so striking now. Like somebody said on Twitter earlier, it's, we're in a gradually heating bathtub right now, rapidly. Mm-hmm. Right. And you can't say that anyone's overreacting by saying, wait, where is this going? Because the Supreme Court is making, they're using every ounce of power that they can use and they're getting away with it. And and just because somebody has it worse doesn't mean we want to end up that way. We got to fight. It doesn't mean it's okay. Yeah. Should we just wait until we have it just exactly. as bad? No, we're going to try to hold on to what we have and we want better. We want better for ourselves. We don't want to go backwards. We don't want to mm-hmm. be tied for worse, you know? <laughs> and a personal, like, it, it reminds me of my daughter has a very rare autoimmune disease. It's life-threatening. And as I was trying to get her diagnosed, I was convinced that the, it was this, because it was like a textbook version of the rashes and such. It's called juvenile dermatomyositis. But I went to five different doctors and they all told me I was insane. And they kept saying, you know what, just come back. The the problem is they can, children can lose their ability to walk overnight or sit up in bed or swallow, like literally overnight. It could be okay. And the next morning they can't get up. So I've read this and trying to get her diagnosed. And I keep going to these doctors that keep telling me, I think it's, it's not the zebra. It's not the zebra and come back when she can't walk or when she has trouble walking. And I'm like, what? I'm trying to stop that from happening. Like, don't tell me to come back when she has, when she can't walk. That is literally why I am going to five doctors. It took me five months to get her correctly diagnosed. And then when the doctor looked at her for like, 10 seconds and he looked at me and he said your daughter has dermatomyositis and I just started crying like tears of relief because like I knew that I was finally somebody was she was in like this is your hospital thing that I do get for a minute now Megan um she was in the right hands finally I'd gotten her into the right hands where she would get like treated right but like somebody telling you like wait until it's so bad that that, I mean that's what you're trying to avoid that's how I feel about people saying that we're overreacting about the whole supreme court thing um you can't you can't wait until it's too late early intervention is important so anyway my daughter's doing wonderfully but it was a very frustrating experience and then what you were just saying reminded me of it um back to the hammock's tale any other (laughs) deep dive notes oh yeah i did say earlier that i think this is what you were pointing at me for i got off track but oh yeah i think it's interesting how june Pretty much every time she talks about this angel's flight plan, says it was to get back at Gilead, to mm-hmm. seek revenge on Gilead. It's always notable to me because she never says, like, to help the children she got out. I'm not saying that she wasn't helping them, but it seems like she was almost primarily motivated by revenge. Right. And they were the bonus. Yeah. Sometimes that's how things work. You know, it's doing yeah. business. <laughs> <laughs> I watched this episode yesterday and I hadn't watched it in a while. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's, it's a very emotional episode. I remember I was, you know, I cried when I watched it and all that, especially at the end. 
but yesterday I was literally bawling. Like I was watching it on my phone and my husband was watching what crap was he watching last night? <laughs> oh, um, Batman. And he looked over and I'm, and I'm literally, <laughs> he's like, what's wrong? I'm like, I'm watching the show. He's like, why do you keep doing this? I'm like, shut up. <laughs> shut up. Okay. So I think that's a wrap on our deep dive into the season finale for season three. Come back on Thursday for our analysis of the first episode of season four. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Nothing changes instantaneously. In a gradually heating bathtub, you'd be boiled to death before you knew it. Our Father, who art in heaven. Seriously? What the actual fuck? Gilead doesn't care about children. Gilead cares about power. Why does healing have to be the only goal? Why can't we be as furious as we feel? For whatever man sows, so shall he reap.